After the Kentucky game, I had a lot of conversations with multiple people about the state of the Razorback program, some of the positive and negative things to look at during the Chad Morris era and things that we can look forward to as time continues to move on. I am all about the fact that it's going to take two to three recruiting classes on top of the really good one that they had for 2019, the top 25 class, in order to get this ship right. We've seen players this season that have – young players, true freshmen that have shown a lot of promise. Mateo Soli on the defensive side of the ball. Greg Brooks has had some most – for the most part, really bad games from his nickel position. But we've seen that the talent is there. Other young defensive backs that are freshmen and sophomores, we've seen some good things. But overall, a lot of struggle. But on the offensive side of the ball, we've seen – the heroics of guys like Traylon Burks that is probably the greatest prospect to come out of the state of Arkansas since Darren McFadden in the mid-2000s. Trey Knox has shown what he can do. So we have seen what we have for the future from a few different players. But what have we seen from this coaching staff so far? Thanks for tuning in to Tax Hogs. My name is Kyle Sutherland. In this segment, I'm going to be talking about the Auburn game and just some things that I took out of that. And then in segment two, we're going to have Porter Hayes from Arkansas Sports and Culture, also the producer of the Hog Talk podcast, which you can catch them weekly as well. This Auburn game was in a way exactly what we thought it would be. We knew that Auburn was way more talented, that they have a lot more speed. They're way more experienced. Their defensive line is probably the greatest in the nation. Definitely looked like that against the Razorbacks, but that's not hard to do. But if you really think about it, it was about four plays that are really maybe about – well, let's, I, I think we can say about three minutes maybe, three to four minutes of time within the game that Auburn just really blew the Razorbacks away. Of course, in the, the very beginning of the game, they got off to that 14-point start. I think that was in like less than a little less than two minutes that they scored those two touchdowns. And then after that, there was a lot of miscommunication between Bo Nix and the Auburn offense, and the Razorback defense took advantage of that. I think some of the success that the defense had was that miscommunication because there was a couple of those plays where the receivers didn't run the right route or Bo Nix didn't make the right read. It could have been disastrous. But there was also plays like the Joe Fouché hit in the first quarter that gave the ball back to the Razorbacks. Bumper pull has really come along from his linebacker spot, a second-year player that has had a lot of hype coming in, and he's beginning to live up to that on a consistent basis. So we saw a lot of good things from the defense yesterday. I think a big reason why the offense wasn't able to get going was because of the offensive line. We've seen consistently that it doesn't matter if Ben Hicks gets the start or if Nick Starkle gets the nod. Outside of the Colorado State game, neither one of them have been massively impressive. But it seems like whenever one of them comes off the bench, it's a totally different story. They come in, they get the ball moving. It's looking like, hey, we might have our guy moving forward. And seven games in, we just don't have a clue. I don't want to get too much into the quarterback talk because we're going to talk about that with Porter and possibly who they should play from here, what they should do about the K.J. Jefferson situation. Should they have already played him at this point? I think it's no question that you played John Stephen Jones 
at least. He should have gotten some reps yesterday. What's really been concerning for me, and this is not the first time that I've mentioned this, but I think it needs to be consistently talked about because it is it is a big deal. Back to what I was saying when, when I first opened up here. I think that this is a way more talented roster than they had last year. I think th- that this team has bought in more so than the guys last year. There's been some moments when I've questioned whether they wanted to be there or not, whether it's like an arm tackle or they didn't finish a block or just didn't give a lot of effort on a certain play. But this coaching staff truly concerns me just because of some of the calls that they make. We'll talk more about the fake punt as well earlier, but what in the world was that? You thought that you had had the, the worst special teams play in the history of college football against North Texas last year when you're on Good Morning America and you're a national laughingstock. But Chad said in the postgame presser that they had been practicing that fake punt for a couple of weeks now. They had seen something in Auburn's film that they thought that it would be successful, but I I can't really think of any way that that would be successful, especially when you probably weren't even practicing against a live a live punt return team whenever that happened, or in practice, and you didn't think that something like that would happen. I mean, I get where he was coming from when he said, yes, the, all, all of the punt return team is going to come at Sam Loy, and then he's just going to flip it over to Davion Warren as he's coming, coming underneath. But it looked to me that they only looked at it from one angle, like that it can only work one way. It's basically like they told Sam Loy to just pitch it over the pitch it over everybody's head and just hope Davion Warren came down with it. Well, what if somebody caught on to Davion, and which there was somebody right there waiting on him, had he would have caught the ball and it not been picked off. There was a guy right in front of him, the one that made the interception. So what I'm getting at is it just seems to me that they might have just ran through it in shirt and shorts a couple of times, and there was really no other option. It was just flip it to him, no other options regardless of what happens. So – I just think that I, I did. I did like some of the creativity that, the, that we saw yesterday. They finally got Traylon Burks at quarterback in the Wildcat package. It wasn't successful, but some of that was due to the fact that you had people halfway blocking or not blocking at all. So the fans got what they wanted, at least in terms of wanting to see that. I really liked what they did on on fourth and one, or I can't remember if it's third and one or fourth and one. Either way, it was right before they were trying to convert to get a new. New series. I'm pretty. I believe it was a fourth and one where C.J. O'Grady was under center, and he did the quarterback sneak to get the first down. I thought that was really good. But overall, this coaching staff just doesn't seem to have a clue, in my opinion. Uh, there's a few of them that are irreplaceable, like Steve Caldwell, the defensive ends coach, which he's shown over the years what he can do, and I think that he's done really well with young guys like Mateo Soli, in particular. Zach Williams, when he's been able to play, he's been hurt kind of throughout the year. Mark Smith is very valuable as your safeties coach, especially with the recruiting ties to Texas. There's a couple of of coaches on here that you can't afford to lose for recruiting reasons and just development reasons. But I still just can't – I tweeted this yesterday. I can't quite understand what Chad Morris is thinking by always try- now there's some cases where I get it. It's best to run the clock out regardless of what the reason may be. But for sure at the end of the first quarter when Rakeem Boyd took that 
screen pass for what was it, 17 yards or so, and he's pleading and and shouting, let's let's get the fast pace going. I think the offense wanted to keep doing that because they wanted to keep the momentum up. And what do they do? They run out the clock. You could have ran one more play. That's what Chad he did it against Kentucky. He's done that so many times. For a guy that that came in and said we're going to go really fast, this is going to he said that this is going to be one of the fastest offenses in the country. I get it. You don't have you might not have the pieces to run that an entire game, but they've shown that they can do it. I mean, they even did it some against Auburn. So there's a lot of questions left to be answered, and the biggest thing that that really scares me right now is they seem to be losing momentum in recruiting. I can't say enough. Nobody expected this to be an eight or nine win team. Nobody, a lot of people didn't even expect it to be seven or eight or six or seven wins. Most of us understood that this was not going to be a season where they went bowling once again. But the way they are losing and who they are losing to, you cannot lose to San Jose State. The way that they lost to Kentucky. And just Auburn didn't have, that game did not have again they are way more talented than the Razorbacks were they had the they had the Hogs' offensive line on skates pretty much the entire game they are way more talented no question but that fake punt play that was mentioned was just horrible and especially to do it on fourth and eleven I just don't know how in any way that the, that you would think that that would work not just because it's fourth and eleven but just the way that the play was drawn up itself. Just no way. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll have Porter Hayes on once we get back. We'll talk about the quarterback discussion, uh, losing momentum on the recruiting trial, and just some other things that are going on with the Razorback program. Stay with us. is the, it seems that everybody's been talking about whether or not Chad Morris should have left Ben Hicks in for as long as he did. Of course, he played the entire game, even when they were getting blown out. What, what would you say needed to be done? Should he have put in Nick Starkle to try to get some things stirred up? As, as He has actually played pretty well as a backup in a backup role, just like Ben Hicks has, or should they have tried to roll given snaps to John Stephen Jones or even K.J. Jefferson? I think, I think that, you know, to begin with, they should have put in – Starkle, because like you said, they and they seem to play better when they come off the bench. But that's been his mo this year. He's he's been letting his, you know, quarterbacks kind of just hang out to dry. And and like with the the game against San Jose State, when you know he kept throwing interceptions and kept throwing interceptions, and he just left him in there too long. So to me, that, that's that's the coach's part to know when to pull your starter and say, okay, let let's try something different. I was hoping to see a little bit of K.J. Jefferson in the game. I know that's everybody's popular opinion, but it gives somebody a mobile mobile quarterback in there. And, it, you know, everybody on the radio is like, well, it's too soon to throw him in there. I mean, you got to realize the past two national championship winning quarterbacks were freshmen. you got to quit being scared of just because he's a freshman, you, you're, you're scared to put him in there. What message is that sending to your guy? Well, just because you're a freshman, we don't have that faith in you yet. So – but yeah, definitely he should have he should have pulled Hicks. 
you know, but then again, I mean, it's, it didn't really matter with this game, but it, it still give, give your team something to have some kind of positive outlook on. So with the Kentucky loss, that pretty much set up a, a long string of games that where there, there's not going to be much of a chance at a bowl at this point. I mean, basically it's, it's over. You, you just need two more losses until you're not bowl eligible anymore. Uh, well, not that they're even close now, but of course they've still got LSU and Alabama on the schedule. Do you think that it would have been best to go ahead? I, I agree with with putting KJ in and not being scared because that you just can't that just can't have that kind of mentality in this game or in sports in general. But do you think that it would have been best to go ahead and do that now, or maybe wait until after the Alabama game when he can pay his four games and not have to worry about burning his red shirt? Yeah, I, I think at this point there's nothing to gain by really putting him in. Um, at least, I mean, and look, we don't know what's being talked about behind the scenes. So here we are looking from the outside in. You know, Chad Morris could have, have been already told him, hey, look, you know, we're definitely going to play you some this year, you know, to ease his mind. and let him. So he probably knows the game plan like, hey, look, if things keep on going away, Starting with the Mississippi State game, we're going to let you play your four games, and we're going to work for the for the future. So, with that being said, I mean we don't know necessarily what he's been been told by Coach Morris, but yeah, I mean if you're not going to play him now, I mean there's no sense in even putting him in during the Alabama game because um, it's it's not going to gain anything. You don't want to risk injury. And going along with that, so where where I'm at with this whole basically the team overall is. I, I think that, of course, I, I agree with everyone that's saying there's still a few left that are saying to be patient and all that. And the reason why I'm on that train to an extent is because you do have to have – it's going to take at least two to three more – or, well, probably two more recruiting classes to really start seeing major progress. They had a really good year in 2019, and we're and as I talked about in the first segment, then we're seeing the, the benefits of that as of now in some ways. But – at the same time, you just it's really hard to overcome a loss to San Jose State and the way that they lost to Kentucky and that Chad Morris is just and this not just him, but the staff in general is just making some really bad calls in the games. They're not speeding it up like they said they were going to. What what is your take on that? Like what we've seen so far. I mean, we've only seen the the hurry up offense that he has promised so many times against Colorado State. So why, why do you think that he might be waiting to run the clock down as opposed to getting another play or two off before halftime or the end of a quarter? What, what, what would you say is the reasoning behind that? I just think that's his, that's his faith and, and, and lack of trust in the team and lack of trust in his quarterback. If he can't trust his quarterback to, to run, you know, drive the ball down the field and get a score, and you know, they've been having a lot of you know, red zone troubles. But to me, man, it's – I was on to be patient. I would, I mean, Chad Morris coming from Clemson and stuff, man. I, I was always a Chad Morris guy, and I still am. You know, I still support what he's doing. But you can't sit here and say it's all talent when you got teams like Vanderbilt getting wins, Tennessee getting wins, South Carolina beating Georgia. I mean, a lot of this is based off the coaching. You know, some of the decisions that have been made, like when do you pull a starter? these errant fake punt basketball shot plays in the game yesterday. I mean, things like that, that is all on coaching because you've seen what Trey Knox has been able to do. You've seen what Woods has been able to do. You've got Rakeem Boyd, who's the top 
I don't know if he still is, but one of the top leading rushers in the in the SEC. So you have the talent. You have the talent to beat a Kentucky. You have the talent to beat a San Jose State. So with that being said, I mean it's it's it falls on coaching. And at the end of the year, he's going to have to make some big boy decisions. And I've said this for a month now. You know, it, it's going to come down to, I think Hunter Yurchek's basically saying, all right, let's see what decisions you can make. Are you going to make those changes that need to be made at the end of the year to make this program successful? Or are you going to not, and we have to make those decisions for you? You mentioned change, talking about changes needing to be made. Now, we probably will see that. We definitely will not see that with Chad Morris. He's going to be here for another year. But talk, talking about that, the one thing that this coaching staff has done really well is recruit. And over the last couple of weeks, they've really lost that momentum on the recruiting trail. It, the decommitments began before the season. Xavion Capers switched over. He, he decommitted, and then a few weeks later committed to Auburn. And then we saw a greedy Vance decommit right after the San Jose State loss. And then not 30 minutes after Kentucky, uh, Tykeus Crawford, our top recruit, decommits and who was actually on the hill uh, for the Auburn game. Now, there were a lot of big-time recruits that they're really going after that were on the hill against Auburn, including the, the Memphis Whitehaven three, one of which is already committed. Do you think that we have a chance to even get them, or, or even if Martavius French will stay committed as he is now, what what kind of it, basically if it stays like it's going to going at the rate it is now? How do you think recruiting will end up once we get to the end of the season? That all depends on that Western Kentucky game. Um, I think that would have a huge blow in the morale because I mean they're already expecting it to be a close game. I mean there's a lot of talk right now that you know Ty Story could come in and actually win this game. He's 4-0 as a starter. Um, man, I tell you what, with, with the way social media is now and with everybody having an opinion and just, I mean, with each loss, it just keeps on getting worse and worse. And if you lose that Western Kentucky game and then you go and then you gotta lose, you're going to lose the Missouri game and end your season with another 2-10 and 10 season, unless those guys are just sold – on being, you know, helping the change and all that. I, I just, I don't see too many more dropping, but it, it's, it'd be tough to say that they would come. But I, again, I don't, I can't speak for them, but it wouldn't be a good, it would be a good spot. And finally, I want to finish off with, uh, you, you also mentioned previously the, the fake punt and, I don't see how in any regard I, – I, I'm not really against trying to get a little cute and just seeing what, what will work for you. But to run that type of play on 4th and 11, when you really just look at it and there's no scenario that you can think of that it would even work, even if they would have blitzed just about everybody, is, is that not just really strange to you that it took – then the amount of time that they say they've been working on it, which is about two to three weeks, what in the world do you think the coaches saw in practice that – they even be thought would begin for that to work. I, I mean, for it to be such a bad play that it would catch him off guard. That's the only thing like, I'd be like, is this really happening right now? Did he really just try to shoot that thing like a basketball? I mean, I could understand an underhand or, or a, you know, bring it down to your hip and do a shovel pass, but how he just shot that thing and threw it up for a prayer. And, and it was just like, you can practice this. I think it got in the game and he just froze. 
I think he's like, all right, get rid of it as quick as I can. I mean, that's that's the because I you can't tell me they practiced that right there for two weeks. There's no and way that well, and for certainly didn't they might have done it for two weeks, but there's no way they did it live. It was either in shirt and shorts or shells where they were going at about fifty percent, just kind of seeing how it would look. There's just no way in my mind that they that I can think of them actually running that live, thinking it would work, especially against a team with the caliber of Auburn. I'm still baffled by that, and the fact that it's now being called the worst special teams play of all time possibly when only one up by or it's it's uh, the play from last year against North Texas is now one up by that only a year later <laughs> so yeah that's not uh, good that's not a good yeah. look because now we're not not only are we the laughing stock once again I mean we got just the doors blown off so really at this point after you, you got to go into Alabama just lick your wounds and play with what you got but after that, is it? I, this kind of goes back to the KJ Jefferson question earlier. Do you think it's a, it's pretty much time at that point to just play the, all the guys that you're going to have in the future, kind of like what they did with Missouri, even though the Missouri game was a complete blowout, just like Mississippi State. After Cam Curl and Ryan Pooley got suspended, they played all the young guys at defensive back. Is it probably time to do that just all the way around once you get past Alabama for the entire oh, team? Definitely, because the the way I see it is if if either or, I mean, because you got Starkle for another year, you know, so if, if he was showing some kind of promise, I would try to go Starkle and then bring KJ in a little bit. But Starkle has not done anything this year to prove that he's going to be the starter for next year. And he's had his chances to battle in competition with Hicks all season long. And he has not, you know, stepped up to the occasion. So, yes, I definitely, I'm not saying start KJ, but... I think starting with that Mississippi State game, he should get a significant amount of time, if not bring him up to be the starter. I've not seen him take snaps, so I don't know that he would be the starter, but at least give him the chance and give the Hog fans something positive to look forward to next year. The hope of this guy can drive down the field and, you know, lead it and give that, you know, the offense a a new chemistry, you know, new spark of something fresh because – what we've seen out of Hicks and Starkville this year is, I mean, they gave us a few glimpses of hope, but, you know, nothing consistent. And I think that's the biggest thing that's really been the kicker for Arkansas this year is the, the lack of consistency. It's a, a Jekyll and Hyde. What team are you going to get? You know, so it's it's been a rough year. Been a rough seven years. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get out of here, I want you to tell us about what you got going on. I know that sports and culture and especially the Hog Talk podcast uh, is one of the, I mean, if not the the fastest growing in the state. I know you guys have been doing some really big things over there as well as sports and culture. So kind of talk about what you got going on with those two things right now. Sports and culture, man, it's just, you know, trying to grow our brand, especially trying to grow our brand out here in Arkansas. It's sports and culture, Arkansas. So um, been really wanting to try to um, cover, you know, the women's basketball team and the basketball, tr- do that transition. That's really where we're at on the Hog Talk podcast is, you know, already starting that transition to talk about basketball. We got the uh, unveiling of uh, Nolan Richardson court as we speak. So when they're playing Little Rock today, uh, the women's basketball team, Coach Neighbors has got that team on a roll. Um, I am expecting very good things out of both the men's and women's team this year. So it's really exciting to uh, to get to start covering those games. I'm going to 
go to the uh, exhibition game on the 30th against Pittsburgh State. So really looking forward to that. Um, we're just we're trying to do some more live shows with our podcast and and keep it growing. So, I mean, I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. And if you haven't, I know that just about everybody has certainly checked out the Hog Talk podcast. If you haven't, make sure and do that. Uh, I've had a great relationship with those guys for a long time. They do some incredible work. And so, before thanks, man, as always. Look forward to having you again. Hey, thank you, sir. Take care. Yes, sir. You too. Well, that will do it for another edition. My name is Kyle Sutherland for Porter Hayes. You have been listening to Tech Songs. I'm just